Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff, and as always, the guys on my side, the, my ride or die bitches are Richard. What, what? And Michael. Howdy. My ride or die. Uh, Richard and I hope Michael. I'm in the sidecar. <laughs> I hope Richard's on the back. Richard, Richard, you're, shotgun, Richard, you're, you're in the you're sidecar. In the, you're, you're leading this thing. Am I like Danger Mouse? I've got like the sidecar, like the guy who rides in the sidecar thing. Do you remember Danger Mouse? Maybe you could be the sidecar in it. Maybe it could be a Danger double sidecar situation. Mouse. Wasn't there a band, Danger Mouse, too? You're thinking Modest Mouse. Modest Mouse. Sorry. No, you're thinking of Danger You're okay. thinking of Danger Mouse. There was a band, Danger yeah. Mouse. Uh, well, we're off topic, but we'll get on topic. And when we get on that topic, Richard and Michael, like they always do, will debate the most ubiquitous aspects of that topic. This week's topic is... The Rashomon Effect. Rashomon and Akira Kurosawa film released in 1950. And from what I've heard about it, it was actually based on a folk story that was adapted into a play. So it existed in the culture. So why did you come up with this? I am fascinated with narrative and with how plot figures into story. When people consider what movie they're going to see, they read the plot. When you go to Netflix and you hover over something... You see what the plot is. But the plot is not what people go and enjoy. The people enjoy stories about individuals. And the stories are about somebody. And the stories are told from somebody's POV. Well, Rashomon was kind of innovative at the time for telling the same story from multiple perspectives. (laughs) And that brings up questions of um, which perspective and which part of the story is truth is the right part of the story. Mm. And it also enables the filmmaker to really delve into character because ultimately stories test and um, try and destroy and uh, rebuild the characters that inhabit them. And that's why I think it's kind of fascinating. And Rashomon was copied in things before I ever saw the film Rashomon. There was a, an episode of Different Strokes called Rashomon 2. Uh, don't jump ahead to my <laughs> picks. No, you're, now you're cutting into our, you're stealing our thunder, bro. Sorry, dudes. Um, so it has w- been one of those things like the um, A Christmas Carol that we discussed. Mm-hmm. It's become a story template. So um, Rashomon was a film in 1950, a period piece directed by Akira Kurosawa uh, about a samurai and the people he interacts with. And it has multiple different narratives about individuals, a bandit, a wife, a samurai, a woodcutter. So um, Most of your usual characters. Your usual tropes, characters. Yes. Archetypes in Japanese um, period films. So, um, well, that's how you remember why you chose this topic. That's it. That's now, I have a different memory of this. But. <laughs> it was, I think it actually came out of an episode of Mount Rushmore that we were recording. Was it really? Or yeah, different, the, I think it came out of an episode of Different Strokes. Did it? Totally believe that. Well, we'll find we'll out by the, end of this, <laughs> by the end of this episode. We'll find out who's, uh, who's correct and who's uh, not correct. Okay. So let's jump in. And um, again, I have some tricks up my sleeve and things that we've been adopting in this new year. And we'll see what happens. Uh, Richard, why don't you start us off? All right, so my first one is a mov- little movie called Rashomon. Yeah, also my list. I don't know if you've heard okay. of it before. <laughs> you both chose it. Okay, cool. Yeah, so it's a story about a woodcutter <laughs> and a samurai. A samurai. Wait, is this is and like a wife. the memento effect now. It seems to be going in reverse. There's a bandit in there. That's why too. you just have a lot of tattoos about Kurosawa that's films right. all over your body. Um, you know, I, I, 
yes, there is this. Uh, it seems like we have to have this on the Rushmore. It's what it's named after. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Um, and one thing I did want to point out is you mentioned the Different Strokes episode. Yeah. And there have been so many TV shows over the years that have, usually sitcoms, that do their take on uh, Rashomon. Yeah. Now, the problem is they usually get it wrong. Okay. Because usually it's like, well, I, something happens and they're trying to figure out who broke something or stole yeah. something or whatever it is. One person tells their ridiculous story. The other person tells a ridiculous story. And then someone comes in from the outside. It's like, no, you idiots. Here's what really happened. Mm-hmm. Very, very much like uh, the end of Clue. Yes. Which isn't really. Which isn't really one, but yeah. uh, you get the idea. Yeah. The problem is that's not actually what happens in Rashomon. Mm-hmm. In Rashomon, the woodcutter is the person who is kind of brought in to be the, is presented as sort of the outside voice, right? Mm-hmm. Like that he saw what happened. Yeah. He's not someone who has a stake in it. Mm-hmm. But then at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, by the way, but if you're listening to a show about the Rashomon effect, you're going to get fucking spoiled. Yeah. Okay. Um, the end of the movie, it turns out that the uh, woodcutter had stolen the uh, samurai's uh, dagger, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, in fact, had a reason to alter his version of the truth as well. Yeah, and that's so. That's that never. Most of the time, whenever another movie or TV show attempts to do their version of this, they always get that part wrong. Mm-hmm. Like they always try to come up with some actual documented truth. Mm-hmm. And look. If if this had occurred in modern day Japan, I'm sure there would have been a home security system up and yeah. this movie would have been about 10 minutes. <laughs> right. So it's a little bit harder to do this today mm-hmm. without having some way to actually document what the hell just really yeah. happened. Yeah. It's like that. It's like that crummy movie disclosure by that about. Oh, yeah. It was, it was based on the crummy, the crummy Michael Crichton book mm-hmm. with, with uh, Michael Douglas, Michael and, Douglas and uh all of it at the end of the day is captured on like some grainy uh, footage that they have like hidden inside the security system. Mm-hmm. He's terrible. Fortunately, I've we, read all of his books. Fortunately, Michael Douglas didn't do anything wrong because the lesson <laughs> we learned from that movie is that women will just throw themselves at you. Yes. Yeah. And sexually accost you at any opportunity. Well, that's an interesting aspect of uh, Rashomon too, because the so one of the sole women in it, she doesn't. There's really no uh, point of view where she looks good. <laughs> it's unfortunately right. sexist and chauvinist and horrible to her. But probably pretty accurate to feudal Japan. Yeah, then. yeah, to in, the time. In, yeah. in a lot of ways. So I guess Kurosawa films are not exactly the you know, the best movies for representations of females right. to begin with. But at the same time, trying to present a certain time frame, I guess, sort of excuses that a little yeah, bit yeah yeah why did you have this on here same same reasons michael reasons basically, michael basically i when you think it, it it kind of came down to it was a few weeks ago when you we were talking about like late edition sitcom characters okay uh, when you suggested the uh cousin oliver oh right and ultimately i awarded you that pick because i thought you know what if if it is named after the thing and if there is an if it's in the dictionary in the oxford dictionary because of <laughs> yeah. that I was like, it. You have to address it in some right, sort of way. Right. Okay. So cool. So that's kind of the gold standard okay. by which others are measured. So uh, Richard, you've said why you've chosen it. Michael, you've said why you've chosen it. So Michael, why don't you tell us what your second choice would be? I got a song for you guys. Uh oh. Uh oh. 
Do so, I have to sing? There's a lot of he said, she said. Do I need to get there. the guitar? No. <laughs> Maybe yeah. like uh, something out of the 80s. Like, uh, Don't You Want Me by the Human League. Oh, sweet. Maybe, That's a good one. Maybe, Maybe you're more of like an indie alt electro type person. Uh-huh. And you like... Uh, you know, nothing better by the Postal Service. Oh, wait a second. He's doing my thing where he names a bunch of them yeah, that he didn't Yeah, I could have chose. By the way, just, just chose I'm throwing a challenge flag on this one. This is uh, yeah. sustained. Or okay. maybe you should go with the Mount Rushmore of songs about He Said, She Said, which is Summer Nights from also, the movie Grease. Also on my, there we also go. On my oh list. Oh, my God. I, can't I think we should make him have to take Don't You Want Me because that's a pretty good pick, too. <laughs> I was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. That much is true. <laughs> that, somewhere there's a really bad like like one two-person play yeah. based off of um, the, prob- the problem with that, that song. The problem with uh, Don't You Want Me by the Human League is like the song really doesn't... Like, at the beginning, the guy lays out his like, yeah, his kind of version of it where uh, I built you up into this great singer, yeah, yeah. or you left me, yeah. and all this stuff. And her version is just kind of like, yes, I was a, a waitress, but I left you. She yeah. doesn't really do anything with it. <laughs> She's just like, and you know, and I, eh, yeah. eh, I still love you, or whatever. Everything's cool. Uh-huh. She kind of ignores all the stuff that he kind of mentioned. Yeah. So I don't know, but. The Summer Lovin' is one of those songs where it is so, like, especially the way it's enacted on screen. Yeah. Uh, you know, he comes off very... Uh, He's talking to the greasers. She's talking to yes. the pink ladies yes. or whoever. Okay. And he's he's trying to come off very macho and kind of... Yeah. Uh, you know, bragging about his sexual exploits. Hiding his vulnerability because he was legit in love with this girl. Yeah, yeah. And I think she's trying to come off as if it was nothing more than just a summer fling so she can forget about him and have, you know, and depict him as something sweeter. Yeah. But obviously there was something more that happened. She's a 30-year-old Australian woman (laughs) in high school in a school (laughs) that's mostly populated by 30-year-old American kids and stalker Channing, who was 67 (laughs) at the time of filming so what was it that drew you to this richard so this is a song that's basically about whether uh sandy or danny fucked okay right Right. that's basically what the song is about yeah and because the choice that which is indicative of greece as a movie because the choice that greece presents certainly by the ending is either you're a prude yeah. Or you're a slut. Mm-hmm. And it's better to be a slut. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you can smoke cigarettes. That's also good, too. <laughs> and this song kind of sets up, sets us up for that whole mm-hmm. uh, kind of uh, Strum and Drang, if I can yeah. speak some German here sure, for yeah. a second. Yeah. Um, yeah. And da. And we wind up. Wait, that's Russian. Russian. Motherfucker. <laughs> you just, for a second, you didn't say forever. <laughs> may, it may, hey, it may be, may be Russian oh, one no. day. But this, this song kind of sets up that whole whole movie which when you rewatch it it's very problematic mm-hmm. like i we watched it with with our daughter vivian about a year ago and oh. it was like yeah what what do you think the ending of this is about vivian i don't know she i think didn't. it was yeah. basically her answer was like i don't get it so was it supposed to be mm, the morals are a little yeah. bit like what i think windy is interesting is i i'm kind of fascinated with that musical when i when i learned that uh Paul McCartney owns the rights to that. Oh, really? And it's had an evolution. Like Rashomon, the film, it started as a collection of folk, of, of essentially um, reminiscences about um, growing up in the 1950s. And there was no original music. 
it was a guy telling these funny stories up at this time he hooked up with some chick or made out with this uh, girl or he skipped class or whatever, and they would play some 50s songs. Then somebody said, you know, you should make this into a musical, and those people you talk about, write dialogue for those people. So they become characters. And he went, eh, okay. <laughs> and and he did not sanitize, like the original production, any of the sex aspects of it. Like, Greece has some artifacts in it of this original production, which was about fucking and being in yeah, high school and having sex and being... And now there's a school version that's appropriate for your junior high to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Which they've taken out basically any of the good stuff. Like but Rizzo's not, there's no pregnancy thing. You know, there's no uh, sw- no cigarettes, there's no alcohol. Uh-huh. All the fun stuff that yeah. makes you actually like Greece. W- in, within Rashomon and Greece, there are storytellers and there's an audience. And right. the, the storyteller is playing to the crowd. They know what aspect that that crowd wants oh, to sure. hear. Oh, sure. Danny, yeah. is, Danny is playing to the, the Greece mob or whatever yeah. they're, what are, what are they called? Fabulous, T-Birds, right? Fabulous Thunderbirds. Future Mensa members. The Fabulous Thunderbirds. Yeah. Is that then that went on to be a moderately <laughs> yeah, successful yeah. blues rock yeah, band? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then and then Sandy's not so much playing it up. I, mm-hmm. You're probably led to believe her story is a little bit more More accurate. Less, more, so more so is it really Rosherman or is it really Danny just being a fucking liar? I don't know. I think that she probably doesn't let on as much... There was like a hand job under the, the you know, the <laughs> under the water, <laughs> under the water. A little. When he was splashing around, that's Wait, what he was. So what was happening? I forget about Greece. Did he go to Australia? No, she came over she there. She came over there for the summer. Okay, okay. And she was supposed and to go back. And then she didn't. Wasn't going to go back. And then I don't know. There's some sort of dad got arrested on heroin charges. Yes. I don't know exactly what I, happened. I'm not a Greece expert. Yeah, taking. I'm not a Greeceologist, guys. <laughs> I do like the idea that like Danny Zuko is like, uh, like when he's not around everyone he's like a huge nerd and maybe yeah. playing like D D or whatever yeah. yeah yeah he's just he feels like he has to put on this act he's projecting his masculinity when he's around people um okay hey by the way jeff do you know who uh did the role of rizzo in the original broadway production i do not adrian barbeau holy smoke i just like to i just pointed that because i want to think about her boobs for a second okay well, let's pause for a second okay and we're all right back. now we're back okay okay um so I, I totally lost your train of thought. I got you. <laughs> we can go to we can go to halftime. <laughs> I got you thinking about think Adrian Barbo's boobs, and now you're just yeah. I'm always kind of half thinking about that. Okay, that's true. Um, hey guys, we are at halftime now, and for you, the listeners of Mount Rushmore Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their services, and. If you want, you can check out, since we're talking about Kurosawa, talking about a film with innovative structure, filmmaking, create a feature film on a limited budget on Audible by the author Nancy Thomas. That's just one of 180,000 titles that you can choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Uh, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Rushmore. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Rushmore for your free audiobook with a 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So check us out, the Mount Rushmore podcast. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. And you know what? We're definitely on Facebook and we're doing fun things there like uh, Facebook Live where you can join us and suggest a topic that we do a lightning round of Rushmore on. So we would love for you to follow us on social media and all these places and get involved with the dialogue and suggest topics that we can then debate right here on this podcast. Or perhaps you could be a guest 
So we would appreciate that if you would join us in the dialogue about all the fun things that are happening at the Mount Rushmore podcast. So guys, we're back. We are indeed back. Richard, what would your third suggestion for the Mount Rushmore Rashomon effect be? This one is a fairly recent one, and in fact, one that there will be a bit of a spoiler alert. So I'm going to say this one, if you have not seen The Last Jedi, you might want to fuck off for a couple minutes, because my choice is The Last Jedi. The uh, kind of different point of views between... Um, oh, I wrote I, down The Last Starfighter. Very close. <laughs> okay. Very similar uh, movies. Also on my list. Uh-oh. Holy smokes. Uh-oh. Are we crazy. three for three? This is like... Are we getting near po- We're getting near pasta shapes in retirement territory? <laughs> the, One um, more. The, the podcasting... Um, what's that thing called? The, the globe? World thing you lock. You're doing singularity, singularity is approaching us. That's right. So, As you could see, podcast listeners, the thing I was doing with my fingers looked like uh, my fingertips were kissing, <laughs> which is the international sign of singularity. So so just if this is your first time listening to the show, we have declared that if ever Michael and I pick the same thing, all four uh, choices, uh, we'll do one more episode, which is pasta shapes, and then we will stop doing we'll the show. Wrap it up. Perfect, so perfect. if you guys are hoping for us to stop doing the show, <laughs> you're three quarters of the way there. So Last Jedi, and I... To be fair to myself on this one, I had to look part of this up because even though I saw the movie, my son got too freaked out by some of the loud noises and had to leave for a while. Hmm. Uh, oh. So so I, I missed the big reveal of what actually happened. Okay. So can you guys tell me what actually happened? No. <laughs> um, this is basically the differing tales that are told to, uh, uh, what's her name? Ray. To Ray, thank you. About what happened? I'll just throw out random Star Wars character names, and hopefully that you'll, <laughs> you'll I'll be fight on off. one. Yeah, mm-hmm. Gonk Droid. Yeah. So the Gonk Droid and was... Bosk teamed up. <laughs> so Ray is basically wants to know from Luke what happened um, when he was training Kylo that everything went wrong. Here's where the spoiler alerts begin. He says, "Well, he noticed that she, he he noticed that Kylo was ready to go bad." So he decided he had to like, he had to do something about it. <laughs> like, he could, like, he like could, he's a piece of salmon. He, <laughs> oh, oh, oh man, what's the I gotta date do on, something about this? Maybe I could turn this into like a salad, like a tuna yeah. salad. Jeez, or something. that was two days ago. It's starting. Smell the honey. Smell this. Yeah. Smell, smell this Kylo this kid. Kylo's getting funky a little bit. <laughs> Which, by the way, if it's Adam Driver, he might smell. Yeah. He does not look like somebody who bathes regularly. He's kind of look like a Stinky pumpkin. Man. The pumpkin yeah. ten he days would, after. He, he was able to sense the dark side within. Um, Ben Solo before he was Kylo Ren. Okay, that he okay. was seduced by Snoke, which is just a dumb name. Yeah, but go ahead, Richard. Oh, versus like they're all dumb names. Rob, they're robot all dumb. or they're whatever all. that thing is. Well, keep going, Michael, because you you actually saw all of the scenes in this movie. So um, he explains to Ray that uh, uh, he f- he sensed that he was uh, you know turning to the dark side, and that's when um, Kylo Ren attacked and destroyed the Luke's new academy of new. Jedi. Yeah, what was that students. called, by the way? It's like Jedi. It was it's like I a did... junior college out on a yeah. rock. <laughs> do you think they? Do you think they had like a like a like a pod racing team? It was called the Jedi Rocks Academy yeah. of <laughs> Hanging Out. They had a they had that a, an intercollegiate like pod racing thing they did. And We're really going to push the show, you guys. Yeah, and then there's um, a future scene where um, Ray is kind of force timing with uh, Kylo Ren, <laughs> and uh, he kind of reveals to her that. Oh, uh, he didn't just sense the dark side in me. He tried to kill me, and yeah. he came up on me when I was sleeping. and was gonna kill me with the, my lights with a lightsaber, and, and then that was the point where my son, who was autistic, freaked the fuck yeah. out. Yeah, 
and because he saw like the crazy eyes from Luke. It was mm. like, yeah, I'm out of here. We need to leave right yeah. now. It's kind of uh, scary. Uh huh. Scary Luke Skywalker. And then further on, it's kind of like after she kind of confronts him, he kind of reveals that the first thing he said wasn't really the full truth and that what Kylo Ren was saying really wasn't the truth. Yeah. It was that he had sensed the kind of dark side in Kylo Ren and, you know, kind of felt like he'd failed and went to kill him, which mm-hmm. is true. Mm-hmm. But then he kind of resisted and pulled back kind of much in the same way that he did when he was going to kill Darth Vader uh-huh. on the Death Star. Yeah. And he kind of was kind of saw the humanity in him and it was like I I can't do this which is kind of always Luke's Luke's always kind of been right there on the edge of maybe going to the dark side which yeah. has been great about him he actually is a character that has multiple levels he's uh-huh. not just a good guy yeah um, and then it, it's ultimately revealed that Kylo Ren was still too far gone ended right. up still you know uh, attacking whatever the Jedi training academy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. killing just all the destroying it right yeah what I do like about this was that it kind of harkens back to Luke kind of takes the role that like Ben Kenobi took in the first, the original trilogy, mm-hmm. where he kind of describes his father as like, you know, he's, he told him that Darth Vader was a pupil of his and turned to evil yeah. and betrayed and killed his father. And then later kind of reveals, well, he killed him, but it was, you know, from a certain point of view. And mm-hmm. Luke's like, what? Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? He's literally the same person. He's like, yeah, but you know, a lot of the things you learn will be told from a certain point of view. So I do appreciate that Rain Johnson, Ryan Johnson. I always say that. I always say Rain Johnson. You mix him, mixing him up with a Rain Wilson. I a hundred percent do. Yeah, uh, I do appreciate that there was like a callback to that kind of misinformation that Luke kind of didn't fall too far from the tree from Obi Wan Kenobi mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of didn't say the whole truth when he was talking, telling the story to Ray. The Last Jedi had very compelling character evolutions. Like Luke is somewhere that I never imagined he would go, hmm. and Ray and Kylo have the intensity of the relationship that they have established has been ratcheted up, and that's something I really enjoyed about it. The architecture of that movie placed a big divide between me and enjoying the movie. There are plot lines and elements that I felt didn't deliver with the same intensity that Luke and Ray, Ben and Ray delivered on. And those plot lines created this crevasse. (laughs) I just couldn't cross to get to that movie. It seems that a lot of people have like a big issue with like the uh, gambling planet and that the, the plot line where, uh, Finn and yeah. Rose go off for like, you know, a third of the movie or half half an hour yeah. to go basically do nothing. Like ultimately ultimately that they fail. It's there basically just to get Benicio del Toro into the movie. Which is not so. something we really needed to have. Ultimately, but like I've obviously read a lot of like breakdowns of the movie. Mm-hmm. The movie is about failure. The movie is about all the different characters learning about failure. Uh-huh. Like uh What's the uh, the Oscar Isaac character name? Um, Poe Dameron. Poe learns about failure throughout. He doesn't trust Leia. He doesn't trust Ad- the the Laura Dern character. Yeah, his, he the, goes that... off and fails repeatedly, only at the very end to pull back and realize, okay, I have to trust someone. Right. Same thing with like Finn and Rose. Probably. They go through this whole thing of failure, only to realize that they had 
that what their arc is or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now Poe Dameron's brand is failure pretty much for the entire movie. Yeah, I haven't called Poe failure. Well, I, but but. Oh, 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 oh. Whoa! Where's What's a bottle of whiskey? I'm I'm feeling all out of sorts from this time travel. I'm twirling my mustache. I'm looking. Mister Mr. Roosevelt. Well, hello. Mr. I, I feel like I'm looking into a mirror. There's another stocky, stout gentleman who's looked like he's loaded for bear. This is the strangest a, I, FDR impression I've ever. <laughs> wait, oh no, no, I'm sorry, sorry. I do have a, I do have a big stick here, Mr. President. Whoa, speak softly. Called, I think it's called a guitar. Oh, that's right. So you were talking about some people who went on some kind of adventure, and they failed, huh? Well, that sounds super stupid and boring. I don't think I would want to watch that. Well, they were the men in the arena. Mr. What's that? The men the, in the arena. That's that's a quote that you have. Oh, it is. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Roosevelt. I said a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Tip a canoe and Tyler too. Did I say that? I don't even remember. Let's, I think you may be kind of drunk, sir. Let's preserve the national park so later on some idiot baboon-looking guy can sell it off to, to oil companies. Did I say that? I believe you did, sir. That's a direct quote. Direct quote. <laughs> you just said it. You actually just said it. Hey, so. maybe somebody could take a bear and stuff it and maybe go to a theme park and there would be a shop outside. They could build one. They call it a teddy bear! <laughs> <laughs> well, I've just come here to ask this schmuck over here, hey, what's in the bag? What's that? What's in the bag? Oh, you mean the Borkland bag? Yeah! Oh, this is the bag that holds something that is a choice that can defeat and preempt and disrupt any of the choices that the other people are making. That's right, smart guy! Okay, well, I'll tell you what's in the bag. The Borglum bag, Bor- uh, Gutzum Borglum, who created the Mount Rushmore uh, monument and chose the presidents that were on the Mount Rushmore monument. Well, everyone knows that. Oh, that's right. Every school kid knows. Learns about yeah. Yeah. Gutzum Borglum. Yeah. Uh, he is the person we can credit for putting these faces on the monument. And I've just observed that none of these presidents have hats. That's right. I never wore a hat. I've seen you in photos somewhere, engravings where you have a hat. That's right. I sometimes wore a hat. But Lincoln is known for wearing a hat. He's not wearing a hat on the monument. Who would wear a hat when posing for a monument? Okay, point made. But my choice for the Borkland bag. These is guys the... posed for the monument. They, they were posing the whole time. Wow. Even Washington. Even Washington. He'd been dead for like two hundred fifty years. He was interred years. and reposed. Um, the movie he said, she said. It is a movie from nineteen ninety one. With Kevin Bacon and Elizabeth Perkins, and it was a uh, one of the first roles with Nathan Lane, and I freaking love this movie. He was so young; they just called him Nate Lane. They just called him Nate Lane. Uh, I loved it because it was the same story told from the both male and female aspects. So, as far as a romantic comedy, that was the genre, but it was told basically by two different directors, Ken Quapis and Marissa Silver. And they each directed uh, scenes from this. So you got to see the he said part, and they got to see the she said part. And they were actually done by different storytellers. And you can, and you know, they both went on to such great careers Huge after that. Huge careers <laughs> after that. But I really freaking enjoyed it. It was a huh. fun romantic comedy. Uh, 5.6 out of 10 on the Metacritic scale. So I, I mean, it's no, I mean, it's no, she's having a baby. No. But, but what could be? Right, right. That's right. Um, but uh, I, that is in the bag. So, so far, uh, I have yet to dis- determine whether one of my choices will, pre- this choice will preempt one of your Jeff, choices. That's kind of awkward because Teddy is still kind of just hanging around. Mr. Roosevelt, don't, uh, don't take your saber into my couch, okay? Stop <laughs> sabering my couch. 
Uh, I'll, I'll do whatever the hell I want to and charge up San Juan Hill. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Roosevelt, I believe I saw one of the last bison running outside. You may want to go kill it. I'll go kill it post haste. All right. So you, thank you, Richard. Whew. Oh my God! Okay. Hey, the good news is we have bison burgers later on. Mmm, delish. Okay, so uh, we are at our fourth, our fourth and final, and it may be our final next to our close to our final if this is the same. It's right. getting a little concerned. Oh, that's right. If you if these match, game over. This is like the match game, like oh. when they get to the the, the bonus round uh-huh. and you had to match Richard Dawson. Yeah, and he win a thousand dollars. It's like what this is. That's what this is. Well. You know, before we head off into that dark night, Richard, Jeff, yeah. it's been a hell of a That's 99 episodes. Well, so, so 100 would be pasta shape. So that would be quite fitting. That would be great. <laughs> so my last choice is Harry Potter and all the books. Oh, God. I didn't choose that. Oh, okay. oh he didn't choose that. Okay, we're safe. There. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> There's more. All of your fingers were cr- became uncrossed as soon as you heard that. Oh, we have to keep going on listening to this podcast now. They they became uncrossed and went right in their ears. Oh dear! <laughs> and then went to middle fingers. That's the only ones that stayed up. And then uh, why why these? I've never read the books. Oh, never seen the movies. Um, I rode the ride. Harry Potter as a character grew up mostly as an orphan. Okay, you know he grew up uh, um, amongst his two. I'm not gonna. I guess Muggle relatives. Not, okay. I, was, I almost said human relatives, but they're all humans. A non magic user like aunt and uncle. Okay. And uh, he didn't know his mother and father. Mm -hmm. And a big aspect of this character is this uh, idealization of his father, especially. And he kind of finds out over the years and over a number of books that his dad was kind of a bad kid. Kind of he goofed off in the same way that he goofed off. But he'd hear it from a lot of different perspectives from... Dumbledore, who was the headmaster, mm-hmm. and would kind of, you know, blow it off kind of in terms of like, eh, you know, he got uh, in trouble like all kids get in yeah, trouble. Yeah. And he'd hear it from uh, the potions master, Snape, who ultimately became kind of uh, Harry's not arch enemy, but like sub enemy. Yeah. Um, who kind of treated him poorly throughout all of the books. And Snape hated him basically from Dumbledore's perspective. Because he saved his, because Harry's father saved his life once, mm-hmm. and so he had this tremendous like debt to him okay. for having saved his life for this person that he hated. Mm-hmm. He didn't do it necessarily because he was all that great a person. He kind of had lured Snape into this trap and let this trap kind of unspring, and then eventually kind of saved him. Okay, but it ultimately comes down to who, like this knowledge of who your parents are you're like you uh, don't know who you don't really know who they are before you've known them and to hear stories of like your dad who you've idealized growing up and then to kind of be in his shoes kind of knocks harry for a loop constantly yeah, he's yeah. constantly finding out that his dad was kind of a bad kid at yeah, times yeah. He didn't really treat anybody he's like no he was a hero it's like well mm-hmm. he kind of really wasn't mm-hmm. it takes it ultimately takes like um, Harry is going through like these weird like mind. He's trying to build up these mind blocks against like the mm-hmm. big bad Voldemort. Okay, and he's teamed up with Snape to kind of. He's supposed Dumbledore kind of tells him he's gotta work with this guy to prevent him from breaking into your mind. And yeah, ultimately it gets reversed, and Harry jumps into Snape's head mm-hmm. and kind of sees 
like from Snape's point of view, that his dad kind of embarrassed him constantly oh. and picked on him oh. and kind of treated him rough. So it mm-hmm. kind of breaks up all of these stories that he'd either built inside his head or kind of heard, mm-hmm. you know, secondhand or thirdhand from other students and other teachers. And it was kind of like, oh, I, I don't know who my dad is. Oh. I don't know what this guy is until mm-hmm. you kind of get all the pieces mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like one of the aspects of the Rashomon style of storytelling is you get to be the jury, decide who has the most truth to them. But the filmmaker or storyteller is continually manipulating what you see and what is true. It seems like another component of this is sins of the father weighing upon the son. Mm-hmm. So Harry now has an opportunity to create a redemption for his family or apologize to this character or to now that he's got this truth, what does he do with it? Yeah. And I think ultimately for Harry, he it's easier for him with Snape to still be the role of like, he still kind of takes on his dad's antagonistic role with him. Oh, he never believes that he's not up to no good. Oh, he always considers like and anything that's happening that's going bad at the school and when Lord Voldemort's involved. He said like, his name, you idiot. I uh, sorry, uh, he's coming. Uh, uh, um, he assumes that Snape, no matter all the things that Snape, that Dumbledore's told him about Snape, mm-hmm. he always assumes that Snape is this bad guy. Uh, but Snape just kind of hates him because he hated his father. Okay. And it's ultimately revealed that Snape kind of loved his mother and mm-hmm. would protect Harry in spite of that other, you know, all these other things come out, ultimately come out yeah. by the end of yeah. all seven books. But it takes a long ways for Harry as a character to get there to like appreciate him as a person that he had built up as like this bad guy. Okay. Okay. Wow. Cool. So, um, Richard, all right, end so, it up. Since wrap I, it up. Give me a second, guys. I was going to choose that wrap one. Wrap it up. That's the Fabulous Thunderbirds, what who were the backup that. for... Uh, yeah, the Son of Merlot. Russo. Rose, what's the, Oh, my God. What's Danny Zucco. Danny Zucco. Good callback, Jeff. Good <laughs> job. Um, so I was going to choose um, the Harry Potter, but then I changed it at the last second. <laughs> what a liar. <laughs> Um, now, my last one is from the uh, television show, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh. And it's the episode, Who Got D-Pregnant? Okay. Um, which is basically an episode that is what the name says. Uh-huh. It is D announces to the, who is the only female member of the gang, that she is pregnant. And everyone spends the episode trying to figure out basically who knocked her up. Mm-hmm. And it's just great. It's It's all of the idiocy from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Basically, everyone has their own, like, dipshit version of what happened at this, like, Halloween party they're at. Yeah. Like, little, even minor things from uh, Danny DeVito's character. Everyone assumes that he's Spider-Man. But no, he corrects him later on that he's actually Man-Spider. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I like that by the end of the episode, you get to a point where you realize that, there, that it's a, a story of perspective by drunker and more like everyone is just getting drunker and drunker yeah and you see like just these awful people that are just like they don't remember anything they're from, all the worst from all of their days <laughs> yeah and one of the things is d is dressed up as her character's an angel mm-hmm. and everyone progressively sees her as more and more bird-like 
during the episode because uh-huh. I think that's a running gag throughout the series. Yeah, you really, goddamn bird. Yeah, that she's her, they always say she looks like a bird, even though she really doesn't. Um, but throughout the episode, each person who tells the story, her she, it goes from her wearing an angel costume to like a bird costume to like the last one, which I think is Max. She uh, he actually just thought there was an ostrich yeah. <laughs> running through <laughs> the bar during the party. And as it gets near the end, you're led to believe that it was actually through a series of misunderstandings, people switching costumes, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. that uh, Dee's uh, brother, Dennis, is oh. the one who knocked her up. Oh, God. <laughs> which leads to lots of dry dry heaving from, from Dennis oh, as they go over to tell Dee what they think happened. <laughs> then it turns out that, no, in fact, she know she knows who knocked it, knocked her up, and it wasn't any of, the, any of you guys idiots. She just made up the story that she didn't know so she could get somebody to care about her pregnancy. Uh, because no, no, nobody, basically no one ever talks about her, cares about her. I love at the end and, when they're like, oh, no, now that we're not involved, we don't care at all. And then they go off and they go, <laughs> go off to try and like sneak into the museum to go do a night in, at the museum thing. <laughs> which is like the perfect, it's always sunny in Philadelphia ending. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to Michael's point, this is not just a loss of perspective. It's people who are so progressively drunk and or idiotic uh, from Charlie's standpoint that they, ha- they they don't they don't have the facilities to actually tell us a basic story correctly. Mm-mm. This is not just they're getting minor details yeah. wrong. They, they think they think that a you know a female dressed as an angel is a an uh-huh. actual ostrich. So it's like splintered, uh, fractured a fractured narrative and unreliable narrator in and the they same combined thing. in the same combined thing. Too. If you have a, a fractured unreliable narrator, that's yeah. basically what you've got with this. Episode. Okay. 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 So, guys, this was uh, kind of unprecedented. I don't know if we've had three of the same picks in the past or not. Michael, as the resident statistician, I believe we have once. We have. I don't remember which one, but I'll have to look it up. Mount Rushmore of colors on the American flag. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, so, uh, but thanks for those uh, strong suggestions and the strong justifications behind them. Here is how I am going to judge. I am going to judge kind of based not on the choice, but on your support of that choice. And I want to give you both a point for Summer Lovin' because I just like the idea of you guys both watching Grease and you showing this movie to Vivian. Had me a blast. Creeping her out um, with the adult content that's in that and giving her this role model of Sandy, the girl who turns from probably an academic standout to super slut. Right. And... And being horrified with the idea that, wait a second, what did I just show you? Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, she'll be ordering tight black pants on Amazon any minute now. Smoking yeah. cigarettes. Mm-hmm. The pink ladies. It's my, my daughter you're talking about. Yeah. Too. Okay, good. Watch your mouth. Okay. Uh, and your compassionate and compelling uh, descriptions of both Harry Potter and The Last Jedi earn you each a point for those, Michael. Uh, I'm not getting a Jeff, I'm not getting a Last Jedi point. He also got a last. He also yeah. chose Last Jedi. But he's I'm, not giving me I'm, that point. Is like what I'm saying. saying, I'm judging your justification, not your choice. So did he get a point for? He got his a point. Justification. He for got his? a point for Harry Potter. Uh huh. He got a point. You're getting shit on. I, I feel. I, I feel like this a, is. Do you feel it? Angry. I love this perspective. <laughs> My perspective is on this. Is I'm getting shit your on perspective. My perspective is just I'm just eating bonbons and just sitting on a big fluffy cloud. Um, well, that's my perspective for you, too. Oh, so. shit. Okay. Um, so, Michael, you're getting a point uh, for Summer Lovin'. Yep. So are you, Richard. Wait, why is he getting a point? His perspective sucked on it. You both you both had a pretty good perspective yeah. on it. His perspective, he had him a blast. 
happened so fast. He said, "It's true." Um, My suit is damp right now. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that is four. That makes four points. But you know who's getting fucked? Me, because my Borglum bag is. God, I'm going to close up my bag. You better close your bag up. <laughs> Another president might like wander through. You guys it. beat my bag. It's Always Sunny had a great, great description. You brought that uh, story to life for me and made me want to watch the show for the great. first time. Great. Okay. Great choice by okay. Richard. This has been the Mount Rushmore podcast. I'm looking from the bottom of the mountain. Richard, how are you looking at the mountain? I, 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 according to scoring, I'm even below the bottom of the mountain this week. But okay. I'm, I'm, we'll say I'm, we'll say I'm looking at a Lincoln's nose. Okay. I'm in the other nostril of Lincoln's nose. But you got the good one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the one with the secret chamber behind. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. Hey, are you a jock that likes comics? Are you a nerd that likes comics? Do you feel left out sometimes? Well, then we've got the show for you. I'm Imran. And I'm Anthony. He's the jock. And he's the nerd. And we host the Jock and Nerd podcast at jockandnerd.com. If you're looking for fun, entertaining, laugh-out-loud geek chat over all the latest Marvel DC shows and news, visit jockandnerd.com. Full spoiler podcast, lots of swearing. Uh, you're such a jock. You're such a nerd. Oh, come on. Shut up, nerd. Okay. Okay.